Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is good, everyone? It's Orlando with the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers podcast. Here is a sample of what's ahead. The series is all tied at one game apiece, and we're headed back to Rip City. What are your biggest concerns about this going into game three? We've got you covered there, plus adjustments and keys to victory in this series. And you know we've got Rip It, baby. Let's start the show. What is good, everyone? Thanks for rocking with the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers podcast. Joined, as always, by Jared Cowley and Max Barr as we do this thing via Zoom. Good to see you guys again. Let's get the party started Get right down to business as this series is tied at one game apiece heading into Thursday's Game 3 at the Moda Center. Three questions, three answers, because there's three of us. Number one, what are your biggest concerns about the Blazers after Portland's 128-109 loss to the Nuggets in Game 2? I'll kick this one off. Uh, I just want to say great to be back with you guys. Really enjoyed your recap of game one over the weekend. Kind of was a hectic weekend for me, but it's good to be back. Uh, First, I just want to say I'm not really that all that concerned about the Blazers' ability to win the series after two games. I expected the series to go six or seven going into it. We talked about it in the preview. I even picked the Blazers to win in seven. I'm sticking with that for now. But to answer the question, what are my biggest concerns at this point? I I think my biggest concern so far is just the bench. Uh, We talked about this going into it. It was one of our keys to the series. The bench has to keep them in games to survive those minutes when Lillard rests. And we saw really great performances from Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Simons in game one. Both guys were a plus six for the game. They combined for 32 points and made eight of 13 three-pointers. Ennis Cantor, friend of the podcast and the only other bench guy to play, he didn't wow anyone statistically, but he did secure three offensive rebounds and he was plus two for the game. But it was a totally different story in game two. Carmelo Anthony, just five points, minus 24 for the game. Anthony Simons, three points, minus nine, and he got hit in the face and I thought that derailed any kind of momentum that he could have built for himself there. He only played 10 minutes. And his canter, just four points, only one offensive board and minus 14. So I don't need to think, I don't think they need to duplicate the game one performance in game three, but I think they definitely need to be closer to that than what they did in game two if the Blazers want to get a win. Yeah, in game two, they were certainly not trading baskets like we talked about being one of the keys to the series for us. Uh, before it started. Um, I I do think Carmelo Anthony and Anthony Simons were both bad in game two. They were really good in game one. And the thing is with both of them, I just expect both of them to bounce back. Um, They both played so well, you know, to finish the season. I think that they're both going to be back and, and hitting shots. You know, you don't keep Carmelo Anthony down for that long, but I am uh, concerned about Ennis Cantor. It's going to be hard at times for Yusuf Nurkic to stay on the court in this series. We saw that in game two. He was generally ineffective. He was in foul trouble throughout the game. And then he fouled out in the fourth quarter after playing just 24 minutes. So knowing that, it's really important that Cantor can hold down the fort while Nurkic is out. And through the first two games of the series, he hasn't been able to. Cantor has been terrible on defense, even worse than normal. Every time he comes into the game, Jokic goes to work and scores against him repeatedly. 
other Nuggets are also hunting him on switches when he's on the court and scoring against him at will. Through the first two games, whenever Cantor has been the primary defender against any player, any Nuggets player, the Nuggets are shooting 70% from the field and 50% from three. We've always accepted that Cantor is not a good defender. We know that. And we accept that because we know that he normally makes up for it with great offense and great rebounding. But that's gone away too. I mean, Cantor's averaging three points and four and a half boards in 16 minutes and shooting 40% from the field in this series. Compare that to his season averages of 11.2 points and 11 rebounds, including during the regular season, he averaged uh, 13.7 points and 11 rebounds against the Nuggets. Now, you wouldn't think that the Blazers' eighth man should really be that big of a concern, but considering how much the Blazers need him to fill those minutes on the court when Nurkic has to sit, his negative production is really hurting the Blazers. I think Cantor has to have a very short leash in game three. If he can be extra physical with Jokic when he's on the court, if he can get some points inside, if he can gobble up rebounds and you let him play. But I think if he looks like he did in the first two games, it might be time to go small with that bench unit. Give Derek Jones Jr. or Rondé Hollis Jefferson some time. Maybe stagger the minutes a little bit to give Robert Covington more minutes at backup center. I just think what you've seen from Ennis Cantor the first two games, uh, the Blazers need a lot more from him because, you know, when Nurkic can't play too many more minutes than what he did in game one and we saw in game two, sometimes it's hard for him to even get up to 25 minutes. So they need some production when, when Nurkic is on, is, when Nurkic is on the bench. What's your level of concern right now, Jared? With the series itself? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I mean, I feel about... I feel the same way about the series as I did going into it. You know, the Blazers, to be able to get one on the road in the first two games is a big boost for the Blazers. Um, I think that this series is going to go back and forth. These two teams are are both good. They're both evenly matched. Um, you know, we've seen this before at the Blazers and the Nuggets. So I, I picked the Nuggets to win in seven. Uh, I still think the Nuggets have the advantage in the series. Um, but I do think the the series, I think if the Blazers are going to win it, they have to win it in six. Uh, I think if it goes seven, I think the Nuggets win at home in game seven. Man, I'm tempted to break out the receipts on a few different, uh, Blazers fans, uh, who had, who had messaged me before the season or before the series started and had, were so confident that this series would be over in five or four. And like game two was just a humbling reminder of, this is the playoffs. Like, very rarely do you have teams that just are able to dominate the way you're seeing, you know, Brooklyn do or, or whatever. It just – it doesn't happen that often unless you have just elite, elite talent. And these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And it's going to come down to the little things, the, the game within the game, and the the point that bench play is going to just be so huge. And it – showed in game one and game two just like the the extremes on both ends we saw the blazers bench shine in game one and then we saw the nuggets uh bench shine in game two and you're right jared as soon as Jokic saw ennis on him it was like oh baby let's go it is time to eat i've been waiting for this and boy did he he feasted and so you're right that the blazers have to have a shorter leash with him um, in those scenarios, because that's we we know how bad the defense is uh, with that second unit with those three guys, and if the shots aren't falling, the offensive production just isn't there to at least break even. You've got to make some adjustments, and you know the the level of concern. I, I think the the one thing that you have to be annoyed with is just how good the Nuggets were when Jokic went to the bench. When Jokic wasn't in the game and the Nuggets somehow extended their lead, um, that's a little bit frustrating because then you're starting to question desire, urgency, aggressiveness, uh, all of those little things heart, just how bad you want it. And I know every game's not going to go right, especially when you're on the road. Um, you're, you're playing in front of a at altitude, in front of a, a hostile crowd. The intensity has picked up. Like all those things, I get it. But um, you've got to be aware of those things. And, you know, the Blazers got punched in the mouth, and now it's going to be fun to see how they respond um, with some adversity. But 
I, I really, I really like it. And I'm not that concerned long story sh short, because this is what I expected. Like we're going to see two equally matched teams going head to head. And now it's becoming this chess match of, all right, we saw what you did. We, we saw the, the minor adjustments that you made, you know, putting Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard in the second half. We saw how after that inferno that Dame put on in the second quarter, which was just mind blowing. Like that was so dope uh, to watch because it just happens in, in such a, a flurry, you know, to put up 22 points in like five minutes is just insane. And the shots that he were hitting were contested off the bounce jab step to the side bucket. Like it was, it was just one of those special quarters and still the Blazers lost that quarter. So it's, it's such a, a trip to, to see a game like that. But these are the playoffs, and it's going to take more than just Dame putting the team on his back for a quarter to, to get it done. But that was, that was an insane performance in that quarter specifically. But concern level is, is what it is. Like, it's, it's the playoffs. I, I expect there to be games like this. I'm just selfishly, as a media person who was at game, uh, that quadruple overtime game a couple years ago, Jared, <laughs> we're from a dead from a deadline perspective you're like oh my gosh this game needs to end how am i gonna make air you know like that's all i'm worried about i'm all about classic games but like that's that's pushing it like none of that please <laughs> yeah i mean i think your point about you know dame going just playing that wonderful basketball in the second quarter and them still losing that quarter i mean that was the story of all of game two is and and a little bit this series too it's dame can't do it on his own like dame is going to get his he's one of the top 10 players in the nba but he needs help you know and he got some in game one he got help from Melo. he got help from simons he got help from nurk but i think two players who i don't feel have stepped up in either of the first two games who are really important to the blazers and our level of concern for me is uh, cj mccollum and norman powell and we talked about them before the series began and how important they were. And on the surface, you look at CJ McCollum's performance, it looks okay. You know, his, his stats are good, 21 points, six boards, two and a half assists. He's even shooting the ball well, 53% from the field, 50% from three. But even though his stats look nice to me, he hasn't seemed to really make much of an impact in these games. In game one, a 14-point win, he was only a plus three. And in game two, a 19-point loss, he was a minus 23. The number of, sh of shots he's getting up, to me, is also problematic. During the season, McCollum put up 19 shots per game and nine three-pointers per game. But in the first two games of this series, his field goal attempts are down three per game. His three-point attempts are down four per game. And it was really bad in game two. He only got up 12 shots in game two and three three-point attempts. It doesn't even seem to me like Denver is focusing on limiting McCollum. So for the Blazers' second-best player on offense to be so uninvolved in its offense is a concern to me he's really been a dynamic player in the playoffs and in the postseason he often steps up and i think he needs to do that now he needs to be a lot more aggressive on offense than he has been in the first two games norman powell is not is a minus 29 for the series so far his stats look bad he's averaging 12 and a half points and shooting 40 percent from the field and 14 percent from three and you have to give him credit for solid defense he held porter he helped held hold Porter Jr. to a one for 10 performance from three in game one, but he also was effective in, in game two against Porter. Porter Jr. did score 18 points. He was a little bit better. He shot three of six from three, but he really didn't get much going whenever Powell was guarding him. Powell was a defender on him 56% of the time when Porter Jr. was on the court, and he held Powell Jr. to six points on one of five shooting, including one of two from three. Porter Jr. was most effective when he created a switch so Cantor was guarding him or when he got, was guarded by other players. But even though Powell has played admirable defense in the series, the Blazers need offense from him. He's got to hit threes. He has to attack the basket. He has to score at the rim or get to the line. 12 and a half point, points on poor per shooting, that's just not going to cut it. They, they need more from both CJ and Norman Powell if they want to win this series. Make them pay. That's yes. a line that Damian Lillard uses often when referring to those blitzes, the traps, the way teams defend him off the pick and roll, things like that. It's that that's his phrase. So we've got to see it from, from Powell. Max, do you want to add anything to this before we move on to question number two? Yeah. Um, 
And by the way, make them pay was also the phrase we used in our series preview. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'll just add, I mean, Jared, you hit on it, but my other concern is Nurkic. Um, when he fouled out, it seemed like the Blazers were in the middle of a little bit of a run there. And he only played 24 minutes, like you said. I'm only concerned with one number with Nurkic, and that's the minutes. If he can get – I've been harping on this for weeks, I know, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. If he goes over 30 minutes, Blazers have a chance to win any game. So he's got to play under control and out of foul trouble. And I think they're going to give him that long – they're going to give him 30 to 34 minutes if he can do that. So he's got to do that. Yeah, I agree. When he fouled out with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I was like, that's the kiss of death. Game over. You know, like at that point, I, I I was like, all right, send Dame to the bench, get ready for game three. Uh, it, like, Nurk is that important, uh, specifically to the defense. Like, he's the guy. So he's Yeah, and he's had, he's had some horribly inefficient games recently, but we've seen he can make it just a profound impact on the game, regardless if he goes two for ten shooting. You know, he can grab 15 rebounds. He can get four steals, three blocks. And he can play solid defense on Jokic one-on-one. So... Just being out there is huge for the Blazers. Man, usually this applies to uh, injuries specifically, but just the line, the the best ability is availability. That is so true with Yusuf Nurkic. So he, he's such a, a big part of the Blazers' success. Guys, question number two. What adjustments do you expect the Blazers to make in game three? And what are the keys to a Blazers victory? Well, I'll, I will begin this question with an adjustment Denver made. I know Jared's going to talk about this as well. And that was the, this got a lot of publicity after game two. And that was after Dame scored 32 in the first half, Denver put Aaron Gordon on him in the second half. Lillard only scored 10 more points for the rest of the game. And this might be a little bit of a hot take. You guys can tell me, but I think Mike Malone showed his cards a little early here. I don't think Gordon is an amazing Lillard stopper on defense, but it seemed like at the time to begin the third quarter, the the on-ball defense with a bigger guy like Gordon wasn't something the Blazers expected in the moment. Um, but, But this struck me as an adjustment worth saving for later in a series. Um, Terry Stotts after game two said they expected Denver to do it at some point during the series. Um, He said, we can adjust. Dame's a great player. We'll figure it out. I agree with all that. So now the Blazers can make adjustments of their own. Lillard talked about a little bit, said one thing he could do is play off the ball a little bit more, maybe run off some more screens to create the space. I'm just not sure what other defenders Mike Malone has that can who can disrupt Lillard and the offense like Gordon did in the second half. Could it be Will Barton? Uh, He's coming off a serious hamstring injury. I expect him to be limited, maybe a little bit rusty when he comes back. And we don't even know when that's going to be. It doesn't look like it's going to be in game three. Uh, If the Nuggets had a healthy PJ Dozier, he could be an option, but he's not healthy. I don't think Monty Morris is the answer on defense, although he's been great for Denver on offense. And Shaq Harrison, he's a guy who's known as a really good defender and one of the best in the NBA at stealing the ball. But I don't think Denver wants to put him out there for long stretches. So, Jared, I know you ha- you want to talk a little bit more about the Gordon narrative, too. Yeah, the way I feel about it is Denver does not have any answer defensively for Damian Lillard, including Aaron Gordon. I mean, I've seen this narrative emerge after game two from Portland media, from Denver media, from national media, that the Nuggets found something and they put Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard. And yes, it's true that Lillard struggled in the second half. He had 10 points, but he was two for nine from the field, one of five from three. But it's my opinion, both watching the game and also digging into the data, that Lillard just slumped in the second half. Not that Aaron Gordon magically shut him down, Aaron Gordon's a nice defender, but he's not going to stop Damian Lillard. So if you look at Lillard's numbers against Aaron Gordon in game two, when you break it down to only the time when Gordon was the primary defender against Dame, Lillard had nine points, was two for four from the field, one for two from three, and got to the free throw line five times. That's not shutting someone down. 
My point is, if the Nuggets think they discovered a key to slowing down Lillard and they put Gordon on him in game three, then Dame and the Blazers are going to be just fine. Dame can and will score against Gordon. He'll get Gordon and other scrambling Nuggets in foul trouble for doing that. You don't want to, I really don't think you want to take Gordon, who's your best help defender, and put him on, on Dame. Because eventually the Blazers are going to figure that out. Now Campazzo goes over to guard CJ, so you just, you know, CJ needs to be more aggressive like I talked about, so he's going to get his. So this isn't going to work. This isn't some magic answer. I don't understand why this is a narrative. Anyway, if you ask Dame, he's not worried about it either. He thinks he knew that the Nuggets were going to put Gordon on him at some point. And he said, now the Blazers are just counter. This is, you know, Max mentioned this, but this is exactly what Dame said. By moving around off the ball, getting more off-ball sets. He said, usually bigger guys can use their length and athleticism on the ball, but when you start to move around on flares and pin downs and things like that, typically you can get a little bit of space. And I think when you look at the stats of what Dame actually did against Gordon, Gordon did not shut him down. This is not a narrative that we should be pushing. Um, the, the Nuggets don't have an answer for Dame, so I'm not worried about that. Oh, I love this. I love when, when Jared gets going like this, man. <laughs> I, I am here for up. this, man. Yeah. <laughs> video, the, the video version is, is even better of, of Jared getting fired up, man. Uh, but but I, I agree with what you just said, um, especially after letting it marinate for a day. Uh, and it was entertaining. Like, we, the, the Blazers just had a press conference after their uh, practice. And, you know, Terry Stotts pointed that out that, Look, they went, they went to that in the second half. It's not like that's their main game plan, like that this is something they want to do for a long period of time. I think the, the Nuggets recognize that as well. Like it's a nice way to switch it up, to throw as many different things as you can at Dame, but that's not your – he's not the Dame stopper, you know? Like that's, that's not going to happen. Dame's going to figure it out, and I'm looking forward to seeing him move around off the ball a little bit more, to, to getting shots, you know, created that way versus – everything coming off the dribble. Um, I want to see Damon that element. And like you said, that opens things up for CJ. CJ has got to be more aggressive if, if he's got that mismatch on him because he's just a bigger dude. I mean, everybody out there on the court is going to be bigger than Compazzo. So you've got to exploit that mismatch and shoot over the top of these dudes. Uh, and it was funny to hear, uh, I think it was Dwight James had asked Dame about that, you know, about Aaron Gordon, slowing him down or, or stopping him and Dame just had that look it was so good it's it's a very typical Damian Lillard you know move where it, it's he has a way of saying things without it being a put down to something else but it says it just in his facial expressions and his answer was so simple but it said so much and he, he looked into the the camera and just said we'll see <laughs> and awesome. it was just that look again, man. We're we're like you know that that confidence is there. So I, I the Blazers aren't worried about that. Like that's not the thing where they're like, oh, you know, Aaron Gordon just you know is going to lock us down. We're not going to be able to do anything anymore. Yeah, I just it's just so weird to me. Like, yes, Dame wasn't as good in the second half as he was in the first half, but that happens in the NBA. And you have a player go off and just have it transcendent half of basketball um, most of the time they're not as good in the other half as they were when they got really hot you know dame got really hot for for four or five minutes and was amazing and then he had a subpar second half but like dame had 10 points in the second half still he got to the free throw line five times so because he had 10 points in the second half the nuggets shut him down Jokic had 13 points in the second half did the blazers shut him down because he only scored 13 no, this is a ridiculous narrative. <laughs> yeah, and and I just think, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to throw the Blazers off their game, if you want to give yourself an advantage, I mean, it was a it's a high leverage move that I think would serve the Nuggets better had they done it later in the series. Like that's something I think you want to do in in a game five. You know, something where it could swing the series either way. Now Denver was. A desperate team they just lost home court advantage so i get it and they they played like a desperate team and they won the game but i just when i saw it i was like oh this seems a little early to to throw gordon at him but maybe i'm wrong we'll we'll see and maybe the nuggets don't look at it as this series changing you know adjustment either 
maybe it was True. something as simple as like Dame was really hot in the second, in the first half. Aaron Gordon asked his coach at halftime, let me guard him. And his coach said, fine, and let him do it. I mean, I'm sure that they don't think that Aaron Gordon is the Dame stopper either. And and by the way, before we get to our, our keys to game three, um, Will Barton has been ruled out of game three. Oh, okay. So that's that's official. Interesting. I was wondering when that news was going to come down. Yeah, and that's a that's another early rule out. So I mean, yeah. might not be game four either. Yeah, that that's a big boost for the Blazers. I mean, who knows what Barton's going to be like when he comes back? But he is a good player who, you know, is a lot better than than many of the options they have at guard. So, um, and, go ahead, Orlando. I, I, before we moved on to the second part of that question, you, you mentioned a big boost, and I think it's it is important, and uh, that I mentioned just. Uh, this is going to be the biggest crowd that the yeah. Blazers home crowd that the Blazers have played in front of in more than a year. Uh, 8,000 fans are expected to be in the building. So this is going to have a different vibe to it than the, even the 2000 that they had uh, in, in their last home game. So I think that that's going to be a factor. They're going to have that juice. It's going to have that, that playoff energy um, in favor of them. After, you know, dealing with that 40% or so capacity in Denver. And so now they, there is more of a, a home court advantage. And I want to see how the Blazers handle that. That was one of the things right out of the gate that Dame talked about today was just not getting too high, not getting too low throughout this thing. And, and you know, how important it is to have those experiences. Like, you don't want to be so jacked, so fired up the first five minutes that you're spent right after that. Like you've got to be pretty even about all this. Like they know they're fired up and uh, they're confident about it, but something, something worth noting is just, it's going to be an awesome home experience for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you, you think about what we saw from the Blazers once they did get some fans back in the arena I mean, they scuffled at home all season long. They were around 500 at home, you know, throughout the entire season. Then they get 2,000 fans back for the final four home games, and they went 4-0 in those games and were much better at home than they had been at any point in the season. So if if 2,000 fans made that much of a difference, imagine what 8,000 is going to do for these Blazers. They may, never, they may never lose a home game again. <laughs> yep. Undefeated only, for the rest of time. <laughs> you only got to steal one on the road after that. <laughs> no, I mean, but in all seriousness, I'm really excited to just, I mean, I'm not going to be going to the game, but I'm really excited to, to watch on TV and, and hear what the atmosphere is like. I mean, we saw, I don't know if you guys watched Knicks Hawks over the weekend, but that was just a really good game. And the crowd at Madison Square Garden was nuts. And and they really like kept the Knicks in the game, in in during a, a lot of stretches of that game. So I know that they're gonna give the Blazers a, a big boost. I know the players are excited about it. It's funny that you mentioned that Max because even Dame had talked about that uh, the other night and and had said that game at the Garden looked like 2017. He's like that's the vibe I got and and, and mentioned the type of impact that it had. And um, even Robert Covington today saying Moda center is going to be a whole different beast. So it tells you like they, they expect it, they want it, they're embracing it. And it's a, it's an advantage. Yeah. The fans are going to play a role. The fans are going to be a, one of the keys to a Blazers win for sure. Yeah. So I think we wanted to now get to some keys to what what's going to need to happen for the Blazers to get a win in game three. Um, go ahead, Max. Run with this. Yeah, so I got a few keys here. Um, first one, totally agree with Coach Stott's message after the game two loss. The Blazers just have to be more aggressive. Denver was more aggressive in game two. They won the game. They they got to the free throw line two more times than the Blazers, and that was a that was a stat that the Blazers dominated in game one. They had 19 free throw attempts to just eight for Denver in in a game in Denver. So to me, just turning up the aggression, 
is a is a key to winning game three. And I think the fans being there are going to be a big part of that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think one way they need to be aggressive uh, specifically is with with Jokic. I think they were effective doing that in game one. I don't think they were effective, you know, being physical with him in game two. I don't know if it's something you can do effectively on a consistent basis. It's really hard because one, Jokic is so good. And the more physical you are with him, which is a necessity, if you want to slow him down at all, the more likely you are to get called for fouls. We saw that with Nurkic in game two. Um, and if Nurkic gets in foul trouble, that hurts the Blazers because he's the only Blazers player who can hold up defensively against Jokic. But I do think that they really have to try and be as physical as possible as they can with Jokic. They need to push him out of his comfort spots on the court. They need to uh, try to get under his skin. And we saw him get the technical in game two. Um, they just need to be really physical, really aggressive with him. I think that's one way if Cantor, you know, does play in game three, um, it, I think that he can go out there and be extra physical. You know, Cantor's really strong. He can go out there and, and try and get under Jokic's skin. So I think that's something they need to do is really amp up the physicality uh, when they're defending Jokic. One of, I would say the two main keys that were overarching for the entire Blazers season has been you got to you've got to shoot the ball from three. You live and die by the three, which they they did really well. But the other thing is you've got to take care of the ball. Turnovers are huge, and uncharacteristically, having twenty one turnovers in that game that'll do it to you, that'll do it to you every time. Uh, to have almost double what your season average is in games, they've been so good at taking care of the ball. So that was a bit of a head scratcher to see them turn it over at, at that rate because they've been so good. So they've got to clean that up, take care of the ball, value those possessions, give yourself more opportunities to shoot threes, especially because that defense has proven that it can't be relied upon when, you know, the, the nuggets are shooting almost 60% from the field for the entire game. Like you, you just can't do it. Even, even the math, even though like you want to say the more threes we shoot, the better our, our chances are to score more points because we're so good at shooting the three, even at that point, if you're giving up 60% from the field, like you're not going to win. And so giving away those opportunities is, is going to hurt you. And I really thought that was the, the big difference in, in seeing such a drastic score, you know, seeing almost a, a blowout in that fashion, because you've just given the nuggets more ammo and you've taken away so many potential three point opportunities for you on your end. So turnovers, clean it up guys. Yeah, that was that was another one of my keys as well, turnovers. I mean, just six turnovers in game one. That's great. And then before garbage time in game two, they had 17. Still just way over their average, so they've got to clean that up. And I also think they've got to stick with the game plan when it comes to Jokic and trading those threes for twos. I mean, that's what they want to do. Stotts was asked after game one if he was comfortable winning a game where Denver shot over 50% from the field, and he laughed. I mean... He, because, of course, he's comfortable they won the game. Uh, the Blazers, I mean, he said it. They're a three-point shooting team, and, and also they want to take away those threes on the defensive end. And part of that is that defensive game plan we talked about uh, with Jokic. And we, we all said that the best chance was to make Jokic beat them as a scorer by defending him one-on-one, -on -one, take away those open threes for his teammates. And everyone made a, a really big deal about Jokic only having one assist in game one, um, which was big, but we all know that assists are dependent on teammates actually making the shot. So to me, a better indicator of how the Blazers were doing on Jokic is his potential assists. And for anyone who may not know, a potential assist is any pass to a teammate who shoots within one dribble of getting the ball. And if the shot goes in, an assist is awarded, but if the shot doesn't go in, it's just a potential assist. So during the regular season, Jokic averaged 14 potential assists per game. But during the first two games of this series, that average is down to nine. So they've, they've trimmed that off considerably. I think the Blazers are doing well in that department so far. They need to keep limiting his potential assist opportunities. That's another key for me. That's awesome. I love that stat. Um, I think that that's, yeah, you, you can't go away from the game plan of, of guarding Jokic one-on-one. -on -one. You just have to do it a little bit better than you did in game two. Um, I, I, I mean, this isn't a key to the game because you know it's i don't know how much you can do to 
affect it, but I think the Nuggets are going to cool down on offense. You know, in game two, they shot 54% from the field, 43% from three. Uh, their starting five was 11 for 19 from three. That's 58%. I mean, you saw guys like Austin Rivers and Facundo Campazzo and, you know, Aaron Gordon, guys who aren't really that good of three-point shooters shooting like 75% combined from three. So I don't think that's going to happen again. I mean, the Nuggets are a good offensive team, but they're not that good. Um, and part of game two, I mean, it was definitely a lot. The turnovers, you know, the Blazers had some issues on defense, but part of it was just really hot shooting by the Nuggets. And so I expect them to come back to earth a little bit in game three. Um, and that will help the Blazers too, not look so bad on defense. I was thinking about, you know, just some of the elite players in the league and seeing that Damian Lillard quarter and the way that Jokic plays. And I have no choice but to think about Max Barr and the way that his game <laughs> just elevates us to the next level. And that's what he does in this next segment. Well, I guess it's time. Guys, it is great to be back with another playoff edition of Ripping. The Rip It playoffs are underway, and they will continue until the Blazers win the championship or they are eliminated from the NBA playoffs. Who's to say which of those endings will come to pass? Before we hit the next round of questions, we're going to find out how you guys did with your picks last week. I don't Let's feel go. good about this. Playoff Rip I don't it. feel good about it. So you got a 50, going back. 50 chance, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid. That's and it true. gets me like it's more like a 75% chance. Oh, playoff well, Jared is a this different isn't, piece. Yeah, this That's is true. not this the is regular play- season anymore. This is playoff rivet. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. I know how to flip the switch. Yeah, exactly. So game one, first question was who will score more points, Damian Lillard or Nikola Jokic? Jared, you went with Dame. Orlando, you went with Jokic. Jokic scored 34 points in game one. Damian Lillard, 34 points. <laughs> we, we, are, we are pushing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, goat status right. for Max. Classic rip it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, is, that is so rip it. All right. Next question for game one was who will finish with more rebounds between Nikola Jokic, Yusuf Nurkic, or Enes Kanter? Jared, you switched it up and went with Jokic. Orlando, you went with the Bosnian Beast. Nurkic with 12 boards in game one. Kanter, just four rebounds. He's out. Jokic, 16. Oh, Uh, yes. So Jared is on the board. Moving to game two. First question was who will finish with more assists, Nikola Jokic or Damian Lillard? Both of you guys went with Lillard. Mm. It was Lillard. Ten assists to Jokic's five. Nice. Next question, over or under 25 points for Michael Porter Jr.? Jared, you said over. Orlando, you went under. And Orlando, you got it. 18 Mm. points. For Porter Jr. in the game. I didn't feel good about that one, Jared. I didn't. <laughs> and that brings us to the wild card question. And that was how many total points will Carmelo Anthony score over the first two games of the series? And your oh. options were 10 to 20 points, 21 to 30 points, and more than 30 points. Jared, you said 21 to 30 points. Orlando, you said 21 to 30 is the most realistic, but let's have some fun. <laughs> go- <laughs> you went over. You said more than 30 points. And after game one, you were looking good because <laughs> oh, he scored 18 in game one, but just five in game two. So Jared gets it. 
with 21 to 30 points. That means Jared is ahead three to two after the first week of the Rip It playoffs. Jared, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, playoff Rip It is just a different, it's a different game for me. I don't know what it is, but uh, so is that how we play it? Is it, you know, you add up the points as you go each week? Yeah, we're, we're going, we're still going. I love it. I love it. That was good stuff. Right. I love yeah. when it comes down to the wild card, man. Yep. It almost always does. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, guys, you ready for the next installment in the Rip It Playoff saga? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. All right, let's do it. Game three. Who will score the most points? Will it be Norman Powell, Yusuf Nurkic, or Aaron Gordon? Ooh, that's a tough one. I feel a Powell, uh, Powell Nurkic or Gordon. I, I feel a a Stormin Norman breakout game. Storm's coming. Yep, the storm is a coming. All right, I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's go with Yusuf Nurkic then. All right, I like it. I think I know how you're going to answer this next question, Jared, and that is over or under thirty minutes. For Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> yeah, he better get over it. Will he stay out of foul trouble? <laughs> he has to. So, yes, I'm going to speak it into existence. Over. Yeah, I, I'm, not root, I'm not rooting against that one. I'm going over. I'm <laughs> <Okay>. go- <laughs> You're not going to go with the uh, emotional hedge and go under? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't want to take right. the blame if it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. It's too much responsibility. Too much. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. If I had made that number... 32 and a half would that change your either of your answers yeah i would have gone under interesting mm, i i would have thought about it i probably would stick to my guns but that's yeah that that makes it a little more interesting for sure. interesting all right well it's been it's been the quest for 30 all year so so we're sticking with 30 all right game four who will make the most three-pointers in this game anthony simons Facundo Campazzo or Carmelo Anthony? Oh, man. <laughs> Most three to three the dome. Three, three to the dome for Jared. Orlando, yep. can yep. you resist? Oh, I can't, dude. I'm all in. As soon as I heard the name, I was like, let's, let's go. It's, it's, it's mellow redemption time, baby. He couldn't come through for me on the last one. I, I have faith. Mellow's going to get this one. All right. Next question, same game, over or under 22 and a half points for CJ. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go over. I think CJ really needs to step up and I think he will. Have have we have we picked the same every answer? Or, Just or... about. I mean, I know that we were different on the first one. Okay. Do I want to bank on I don't the remember first past question? That. I don't know if I want to bank on just one question deciding you and I, so I'm going to switch it up. I, I, I do personally think CJ is going to fill it. I think he's, he's going to have a bigger game, but for the sake of, of rip it, it's got to be different. I, I, I love that it's coming down to, to the wire, but uh, I hate being at the mercy of the wild card. So I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go opposite on this one. You're going to go and, under. Uh, I'm going to go under. Yeah, right, you want to have that this wild is game card four, So. Something. Yeah, I mean, oh, game four. yeah, we're in, we're in game four here. So I mean, CJ could fill it up in game three and then disappoint in game four. Who knows? We'll find yeah, out. All right, all right. And that brings us to the wild card question. And this is about a guy who we haven't really talked about during this entire podcast, as far as I can remember. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but over or under four and a half three pointers in games three and four combined for Robert Covington. Ah, four and a half. Four and a half. Will he make five three-pointers in the next two games? He's been pretty quiet. Yes, he has. Will he turn it around at home? He's got to make them. They're makes. They're makes. Yeah, they're makes. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, man, he's been – he really has been so quiet this series so far. Are we due? Are we due for – Yeah, Lord you'll Robert have these Covington, Covington games where he, he gets like five or six threes. 
All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Ah oh, man. Oh, he's feeling the temptation. He's, <laughs> he's struggling. It. He's struggling. <laughs> I'm gonna go under. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I'm going under also. Oh. That's, where my, that's where my heart was. Okay. <laughs> I almost went over. <laughs> All right. Well, we will find out how you guys did next week. So back to that Nurkic question. Do you know how many games during the regular season Nurkic played 30 minutes or more? Uh, I'm going to go with one. What do you say, Orlando? Three. It was four. Oh. But if you if you bump it up to that 32 and a half, like you said, then it was one. <laughs> he had one yeah. game in the regular season where he played more than 32 and a half minutes. Man. So hey, how many minutes? How many, how many did he get in game one? 32 minutes and 57 seconds. So nearly 33. So that one would have been the over on that 32 and a half. But. And he was on pace to, to play about that in game two had he not fouled out. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how much he would have played in the fourth quarter. He was at 24 and a half minutes. When he yeah, and he, but, he, but he, I mean, that was like nine minutes to go, right, when he fouled out, something like that? Yeah. Maybe, so maybe had, he would have come out. He already yeah. rested to start the fourth quarter and come back in and got his foul, or did he start the fourth quarter? I don't remember. Mm, I don't remember, but yeah. it was going to be anyway. it was going to be over thirty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a key. Yeah, you just have to stay out of foul trouble. We'll see how it plays out. Guys, You're in the game, Nurk. I'm uh, really enjoying playoff basketball from a league perspective. Like just every night, this has been super dope. The last few days to just have these games on and knowing that you're getting the best of the best on a nightly basis. So I I was wondering guys, like which series are you guys most paying attention to um, at this point? Is there one that, that sticks out to you guys that you guys, I don't want to say appointment TV, but (laughs) you're looking forward to. Well, Uh, I mean, go ahead, Jared. Yeah. I have, I have such little time to, to watch anything. It's like, it's enough to just try and find the time to watch Blazers games. But I have been following as closely as I can the Lakers Sun series. Mm-hmm. One, because if the Blazers advance, they'll play the winner of that series. But two, I just think that, I mean, obviously the Lakers are the defending champs, but the Suns are such an interesting team this season. Uh, you know, Chris Paul's health is really interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. So that, that series, I mean, there's, there have been others that have interested me, certainly the, the Mavericks Clippers series is really interesting, but yeah, it's Suns Lakers for me right now. Yeah. And um, unlike Jared, I do not have a, a large family <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, I haven't been going a lot of places during this pandemic that we're still in, even though I am fully vaccinated, but I do have a sickness of watching basically all, at least a half of all of these games. You know, I, I, I just tune into as much as I can and, I really have enjoyed Lakers Suns, Knicks Hawks. I'm really excited for game two there. Um, and yeah, the Mavericks look pretty good against the Clippers yeah. so far. It's it's time to panic. <laughs> Steve Ballmer and company. Uh oh. Uh oh. Break it up, LA. <laughs> Orlando, what what about you? Yeah, same. I mean I'm I'm biased from the sense that like all the, the Western Conference series, I'm definitely way more tuned in. But I mean, that was that was electric to see what Madison Square Garden has been yeah. like. That was cool. Uh, that's that's really neat. Uh, Trey Trey em- embracing that that villain role a little bit. What a moment uh, for him! That was great. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I saw some of the cell phone video of like his dad being there, and like you could see that connection there. So there was that that family dynamic. But dude is balling. Luca is just insane. Uh, yeah. That that like running, leaning one one foot three. Uh, that just like breaks the hearts of the Clippers. Like mm. that's been, that's been a trip. Like just, I, it's, it's been fun seeing excellence. Um, and then with that, that Suns Lakers, it's going to be such a buzzkill if uh, CP3 just can't be out there because yeah. that the potential of that first round series is so good. If yeah. uh, the Suns can put out their best team and right now it doesn't look like it. If, if he's, you could tell how much it was bothering 
Chris Paul to not be able to be out there. Seeing yeah, and, and the team like just admitted as much, basically that he's ineffective because they just held him out for so much of that second half. It was, it was disappointing to see a yet another serious injury for Chris Paul in, in the biggest playoff moments. He doesn't yeah. deserve that. Yeah, I agree. That uh, that Trey Young thing with the Knicks uh, was awesome to see and reminded me so much of Reggie Miller and the Knicks. Oh, you yeah. know, and the Knicks fans. Let's let's say <laughs> it reminded me of that so much. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love that stuff. Yeah. So it's just I don't know. I'm I'm like getting way more amped up right now just seeing all of these games on. Like I'll, I'll tune in randomly. Uh, and see, you know, pick up the early game if I can, if I'm not working. But the late games are on for sure. So it's just been fun. Wanted to get your guys' quick take before we wrap it up because we're getting pretty pretty heavy on, on this podcast. But yeah, and, and quick quick shout out to Dylan Brooks, former oh. Oregon Duck, who is yeah really coming on strong and getting a lot of love nationally. It's great. I mean, he's he's kind of been maligned for a while for for taking too many shots for Memphis, but now he's. He's really shown why Memphis has put so much trust in him to go from a, a second round pick to to like a cornerstone of that young group. So great to see Dylan Brooks um, shining defensively and offensively right now. People yep, up here in that. Yep, yep. People up here in Oregon, man. Like I don't think a lot of, of Ducks fans are surprised just because like that was the that's the guy that that got him to the final four. Yeah. Like senior that, year. Do, same, yeah. Yeah. Same type of player, same way. And now he's shining. I'm surprised. I didn't think he would be nearly this good in the NBA. Um, I think that is his storyline has been really interesting and fascinating to watch. And yeah, he does get some slack, but I always think he's overachieved uh, at every level since he went pro. He's not scared. He's yeah. really not. He's fearless. Guys, nice work today on the podcast. It's always fun chopping it up with you guys. And for our listeners, thank you so much for rocking with us, for subscribing to the podcast. Please continue to do so. Let other people know about the podcast, the the subscribe, the alert. Like It's so important because you never know when we're going to drop another podcast like we did um, earlier this week. Uh, There's just so much going on, and the storylines continue to build. And we love talking about it. I hope that you enjoy listening to these podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together because they truly are a lot of fun. So we appreciate you and we will do this again. Take care, everyone.